0: Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So today is the first Sunday of Toby, and uh, today's gospel relates to the flight into Egypt of the Holy Family, Saints Joseph, Mary, and our Lord Jesus Christ as a young child. We are reading this because we just celebrated the birth of the Nativity just last Thursday, so happy Nativity. And uh, soon after his birth, he is immediately confronted with something extremely dangerous, right, Uh, a very threatening event. We hear that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and informed him of this danger and ordered him to take Mary um, and to flee in the middle of the night to, um, to Egypt, uh, a foreign land. What happens while in Egypt in the New Testament, the, the Gospels are silent on. So we don't know too much about what happened uh, if we just read the Gospels. But um, that shouldn't surprise us, as St. John the Beloved says in, the, in his Gospel. And there are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written one by one, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. But the adventures and the stories and the places that the Holy Family visited in the land of Egypt um, that that they encountered during their approximately five-year stay there uh, as they were fleeing from Herod, um, we received, of course, through tradition and is included in a writing called The Vision of Theophilus. The Vision of Theophilus. So you can look it up online, and if you want a copy, just let me know. Um, But in that, he he talks about the different things that that the Holy Family did in Egypt and the places they visited. And as St. John Chrysostom says, uh, that Christ sanctified the whole land by setting his foot thereon. And it's the only country that we know outside of Israel that Christ visited, and uh, Christianity is still uh, thriving there, as we know, right? And against all human odds, sometimes under persecutions, and and against all difficulties, even though in in his homeland it's all but disappeared. But in this other place that he visited in Egypt, Christianity is still there 2,000 years later. And if you visit Egypt today, you can see the many places that they stayed. Uh, We don't have time, of course, to talk about those in detail. But um, maybe one day, uh, and I said this last year, at, at the same time, that we can plan a trip to go visit. Of course, uh, didn't get an opportunity this year because of all the things happening. But God willing, maybe next year or or a couple of years from now, we can do a trip together as a church and, and go up and visit those amazing places. Um, but what was that danger that caused the flight into Egypt? We read in today's gospel that Herod, in his insecurities and insanity and anger, when he heard that a competing kin- king had been born, that he issues the unthinkable decree and that any male child in Bethlehem under the age of two should be slaughtered. I mean, it's a really evil thing that he should uh, say just because of his envy and his insecurity. And what was to become uh, known as the slaughter of the innocents, the slaughter of the innocents. Um, So when you read the writings of um, a, a Jewish writer of the time, his name was Josephith, Josephith, Uh, Josephus, He was a Jewish historian of the time, and he wasn't Christian, but he describes um, who Herod was. And he describes the ruthless nature of this king that that, uh, was governed there. He murdered a lot of uh, people, a very high number of people, uh, and probably much more than the uh, murder of these innocent children. He also murdered, uh, at times, many hundreds of people at a time. So the murder of, this, of the male children under the age of two becomes very realistic when you know the type of shadowy person this, this guy Herod was. We also read that he suffered, uh, Herod suffered a very terrible death. Uh, when you read again, Josephus talks about how he was betrayed by his son and how uh, he was uh, in, in such pain uh, because of sicknesses at the end of his life that he wanted to kill himself, and his cousin had to come and actually rescue him. But uh, the massacre of the innocents causes us to kind of cringe when we read it, right? We, it causes us to, uh, to cringe in the face of this event. And even ask the famous question or overreaching question, why would God allow tragic evils to happen to innocent people? Or generally, why does God allow evil to happen in the first place? Especially at the hands of other human beings unjustly, like as in the case of uh, what we read today. It's a question we've all asked and pondered about. And the perplexity and the confusion of this tragic event of the massacre of the innocent babies under the age of two causes us all to pause when we read it. And faithful people also ask these questions, right? Faithful people ask, you know, why would God allow something like this to happen? St. Paul says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We can learn very important spiritual rule from this event uh, that we should keep in mind and apply to similar sorts of tragedies and events that happen in our times and days that we live. As St. John Chrysostom says, that from a Christian perspective, such evils happen to us for a few beneficial reasons. First, troubles like this and tragedies like this work towards our spiritual benefit if endured uh, patiently and with faith and in a Christian perspective. For example, if we are backstabbed, um, you know, sometimes we uh, suffer for the things that we did wrong, right? And that's that's a healthy thing uh, when we we'd rather suffer it now than suffer it later after we pass away, right? So God allows us uh, sometimes to have a measure of justice here on this earth. Thank God He doesn't allow us. For uh, you know, to to suffer every kind of injustice for every wrong we did, or else we there'd be no hope. But for our own spiritual uh, benefit and for our own repentance and our nutrition, like spiritual nutrition, he allows us to kind of get a taste of justice, so we can try to understand what justice is. So, like for example, when we backstab others and it happens to us, that's that's a kind of justice, right? Um, or if somebody steals something from the store and he gets caught and he gets punished for it, or maybe he doesn't get caught that time and maybe he's falsely accused in another time, that's kind of God's justice again coming back uh, to kind of chastise him and to, to allow this person to repent. Or if we judge and condemn others for something, grace will leave us at, um, leave us, and we stumble in the same thing because grace has left us because we dare to judge and to condemn others and we suffer accordingly for the wrongdoing. So sometimes it's just, just justice that we uh, endure, and, and God allows that to happen for the sake of our benefit. A second reason could be that in the case of, just like in the case of the innocent children who suffered unjustly, who suffer for the sake of goodness and truth, it is for the building up of rewards in the kingdom of God. We read, like for example, in the Gospel about poor Lazarus who was overlooked by those who were rich, those who could have helped him in this life, they received the right to dwell in the bosom of the uh, of the um, of their father Abraham, right? Those, like for Lazarus, he suffered unjustly, and because he did that, he earned the rewards to be able to go to heaven and paradise and hang out with all of his uh, saintly fathers, like Abraham. And uh, well, the other person who didn't help d- did not go to that place. <clears throat> Um, As Christ says, our Lord Jesus Christ on the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. St. Paul says something similar. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So if we endure these things, even if we are suffering unjustly, um, we endure them and we reap the rewards later. During the Nativity uh, message that our Metropolitan gave uh, on Thursday, he says that tribulations sometimes perplex us and make us wonder, why did this happen or why did God allow this to happen? And even say, where is the benevolent God? Yet our incomprehension should not lead us to despair, because we have confidence in our almighty and beneficent God. Even with the massacre of the innocents that we read about today, Uh, the massacre of these little children, we hear that the presence of God was still there, right? Because this was, uh, and we read that, that this was prophesied about in the Old Testament. So when Matthew is giving this really sad story so that we don't despair, he says, don't worry, this was prophesied about, God is present and he's gonna make all things right in the end. So even with the massacre of the uh, innocent children, we hear about that presence of God uh in 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 the scene and where he's present all things will be established in justice and and that which is taken unjustly is going to be restored many times over and it's and it's a very important uh spiritual rule for us outward security is a type of security right when we have security in the world it's a type of security but it isn't the security that in, is in its true depth, right? That true security that gives us that solid peace, that unshakable peace. Security, security is often misunderstood as only being found in the control of our external circumstances. Unjust governments um, that are in control, unjust laws, obligations to others, health, even physical uh, limitations like natural disasters or pandemics so we try to remove these constraints and when we can't with all of our effort um, you know even though we dedicate all of our effort being focus and thoughts and try to adjust those uh, external circumstances around us and when we can't we lose our uh, feeling of peace we lose our security and we can't um, because we can't remove every perceived external threat not every perceived external threat, because and I say perceived because sometimes it's just thought of, but it's not really a threat. Um, and we always feel that uh, feeling of insecurity because we can't control everything in our external circumstances, right? Especially as we get older in life and choices that we've made we're kind of stuck with, we can't control our external situations, right? So we, lend, uh, we always trust in God who gives us that true security. Because that's the truth of the matter, is that it isn't our surroundings that causes us to lose our security. It's what we place our hope on, what we place our affections, what we place our hope in, what we place our pride in, what we value as our treasure. These are the things that, uh, whether or not we have security. As St. As Paul says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, in Galatians 3.2. So we place our hope in our ever-victorious Lord Jesus Christ, who will never fail us. And in this way, our security and our peace is firmly established in our life and is never shaken. As our Lord Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where neither thieves Do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we have a wonderful example of this in today's reading um, when we look at the obedience of St. Joseph. So St. Joseph, when one considers his actions, uh, we really stand in amazement and we're humbled. Uh, He receives a vision of an angel telling him of the evil plan of the King Herod to kill his baby. So when you... When you read that, right, and you put yourself in the shoes of St. Joseph, right, he maybe maybe some of us would react differently. He doesn't get angry or offended and doesn't complain at that saying, uh, wasn't this child supposed to be uh, the one to save everyone and he can't save himself? Uh, Now we have to go into a strange country full of paganism who are not friendly towards Israelites, and we do not even know how long. The angel didn't say how long he's going to go, but he he said, until I bring you word. The angel didn't even say that he would at least travel with them to uh, give them protection. St. Joseph doesn't say any of these negative words, but instead obeys it with all faith, knowing that the child who is with them will be their fellow traveler and their protector. In fact, he rises, it says, in the middle of the night after the dream and leaves his home in the middle of the night with eagerness. Oftentimes what God asks us uh, to do seems difficult and inconvenient and may not even make sense to us, but we, but we should um, not complain or blame God. Maybe uh, we become jealous of others who don't have that same requirement or that same uh, trial that they're going through in their life, and we perceive it as unjust because we say, These other people didn't have to go through what I'm going through. Why then, um, you know, it's not fair. Um, Why do we have to sacrifice this and they don't? And it vexes us so much and it troubles us so that complaining and dragging our feet causes more trouble than actually just performing what God has asked us to do. Oftentimes, obedience to God is, is a lot less troublesome than complaining and putting all of our energy in complaining and dragging our feet and just if we just were to just follow what he tells us and and you know we'd have a lot you know our road would be a lot simpler uh, as we're walking down that road of life we need to be like saint joseph here and leave room for god's will to work with faith and with hope just like he had though we may be confused and troubled by events around us let's not ever lose the trust that god works in all things to our benefit and to the glory of his holy name The other thing we learned, too, is that life is full of events that are full of hardships and and refreshment. So there's times in our life where we have these difficult times, and then there's times in our life where we have refreshment and joyful times. And that is life. Life is up and down like that. With Joseph, this exactly happened. If you look at the trail of events that happened in the story of Nativity uh, and leading up to the flight into Egypt, um, he was at first troubled by the conception of Saint Mary, but right away, the angel appeared to him to calm his agitation. The king in his madness was seeking the child and there was no room for St. Mary to give birth, so he sent them the manger with the animals. But then... The, the star appeared. The wise men came to show their adoration to the child. The shepherds proclaimed the hymn of the heavenly host, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. After this, again, the danger comes, right? Immediately. So, again, he's in a low point. St. Joseph is informed that the king is seeking to destroy the child after all this, and, go, and he has to go into a foreign land. It's continually up and down. So our spiritual life is the same way. Christian life is not full of continually worldly peace. We do not have continual worldly peace as part of a Christian life. On the contrary, there is resistance in the system of the world and and, uh, the spiritual warfare that's against us. This is especially true for the saints who live a Christian lifestyle. But we also know there's joy that comes after all the tribulations we bear with uh, nobility and with faith um, as St. Paul says in, in his epistle to Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. St. John Chrysostom says that neither dangers nor refreshment are continual, but that God weaves the, li- weaves the life of all the righteous people out of both the one and the other. He weaves our life with both troubles and with joyful things. And, and all of this is, becomes the fabric of our life. No more true is this than, like, for example, the life of Saint Athanasius, right? When we read them, I remember in our catechumen class, we we looked over uh, the life of Saint Athanasius and how he was exiled five times. Um, He suffered five exiles, and from each one he returned with joy, from each one. And once many of those around him were full of despair, saying, Oh, no, you're going into exile again. This is, you know, this is more than we can bear. And Saint Athanasius replied... Be of good heart. It is only a cloud and will soon pass away. It's only temporary. So we should be able to bear the joys with uh, thanksgiving and anticipation of trials. So when we're in a good spot, we we thank God for being in that good spot, and we always anticipate, okay, there's something around the corner coming. Let's be prepared, and let's be ready spiritually, internally, and as much as we can in our external uh, ability. And when we're in the low, when those trials and those tribulations and troubles come, we remember that these things are only temporary and we prepare ourselves to ascend to a greater joy because uh, we know that God will always deliver us from every trial and every temptation and every trouble that we're going through because that is what life is, right? So we should be able to bear the joys in, in when, we're, when we're happy, but also have hope and faith when we're down as well. Because each of these two scenarios is temporary in life, right? No, nothing good in this life is temporary, and nothing bad in this life is temporary. The only thing that's permanent and true are the virtues that we obtain and live and, and become part of our personality. These things endure, of course, to eternity. And these are the things that tr- truly provide that great joy uh, that does not depart and does not change. In the life to come, it's only joy it's uh in its fullest sense and it's a type of joy that is never taken away from us the type of joy that we can begin to experience now even during the trials that we face on earth with all assurance that all things work together for good in the end for those who love god so god grants us the grace to have the faith and obedience like saint joseph and to have the courage of our ancestors, too, who gave everything to become Christian and to be worthy of the name by which we are called, irrespective of our external challenges, which could be many, especially these days. In Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom be glory forever. Amen.